Welcome to No Matter What. I'm Hannah Seymour, and this podcast is all about being who God created you to be no matter what. No matter your past, your current circumstances, no matter your relationship status, your career journey, no matter what life throws at you. Each episode, I invite a friend to talk about what that actually looks like, to be who God created you to be no matter what. Well, welcome to No Matter What. I am so excited today to be sitting in the studio with my friend, Christy Wright. Oh, this is so fun. (laughs) We are in, actually, we're in an old Ramsey studio that you, I'm sure, recorded in. Oh, yeah. Like a lot. Oh, yeah. And entree leadership. I'd sit in here and do interviews. So it's just, it's fun. It's fun (laughs) to be back. I was like, Hannah needs to let me in because I don't have a key. (laughs) So if y'all don't know about Chrissy, let me tell you a few things about her. On the professional side, she is a number one national best-selling author. She is an inspiring speaker. She is really a trusted voice um, on personal and professional development, and she's a certified business coach. So Chrissy started essentially helping women make money doing what they love and created this amazing brand called Business Boutique. And then now she has gone even further in stepping out to help women find their confidence, really knowing who they are because they know who their God is and how that gives us confidence. So that is Christy's professional side. Personally, she has become a dear friend of my family because she and Tyler work together at Ramsey. Yes. And Christy is also a wife to Matt and a mama to Carter and Conley and Mary Grace. And she has her hands full. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. <laughs> With all the things. I watch Christy and I'm like, how is that sister doing it? Because I need to get on her level. Uh, Tyler. <laughs> Tyler is how I'm doing well, it. Your husband. Same here. <laughs> Your husband. <laughs> I was writing something today on Instagram about how I was like at stress level 10. And of course, Tyler Seymour swoops in. Oh. Comes in with a Smile temporary on his face. problem. And I'm like, this is my marriage. Yeah. 90% of the time, I'm in freak out mode. And yeah. he is like, let's just let's just take a couple steps back. That's right. <laughs> I can solve this in about five minutes if you'll just totally. chill out. Totally. Well, Chrissy, you know that this show is really about being focused, being intentional about being who God has created us to be no matter what our circumstance. And a lot of the folks I have on this show, we're talking about, I mean, hard circumstance. That's that's when it's hard for us yeah. to truly be committed and say, okay, Lord, I'm still with you and I still want to be who you've created me to be. And so I thought that we would talk today about obeying God when we don't want to. Yeah. So tell me, talk to us about a time when you, when that comes to mind, when you feel like you knew exactly what God was calling you to do and you did not want to do it. Yeah. I think that's such an important topic too, even with the context of your, your whole show, because I think there's, there's certainly a really important uh, message of being who God created you to be when your circumstances are hard, but even if they're not hard, there can be difficult parts of being who God created you to be because God will open doors and invite you to walk through them. God will ask you to obey in things that add a layer of difficulty to your normal, safe, comfortable life. And you don't want to do them. Mm -hmm. And um, what I've noticed, here's (laughs) everybody has different ways of discerning the voice of God, discerning when God is prompting them or are they just imagining it. And my go-to, very Enneagram 8, is I just argue. I just argue (laughs) with God. I'm like, no, I don't want to. No, I don't like that. No, that doesn't make sense. Surely I heard you wrong. Surely, surely I misunderstood. He's like, no, you didn't. Uh And let me give you another affirmation from this person. And let Uh me give you another clear sign from this person. And I just, I go back and forth. Like, I don't want to. I can't. Here's all my excuses. And um. One of them that comes to mind 
a couple years ago at the risk of sounding like I'm telling the story because I'm such a generous person. I'm not. So you can hear the whole backstory here. But here, here was the situation. And I use this as an example, too, because uh, nothing about the situation made sense. Mm-hmm. And I think that if we look at our whole life only through the practical, yeah. we're going to miss the spiritual because God will ask you to do things that are counterintuitive, yep. illogical, yep. unrealistic, don't make sense. Yep. So here was the deal. Matt and I were doing a renovation on our house and we were putting in hardwood floors last January. Okay. I was pregnant with Mary Grace first trimester and it was just a lot of chaos in our house, but we were putting in these hardwood floors, um, which we had wanted for a long time. Um, and so this big house project's going on. Well, while we're on this kick, we get super inspired to redo our bathroom. Our bathroom is super small, super old, like imagine old tile and just old, sad. Yeah. And I was like, well, we had decided to stay in this house. And so I was like, let's make it something that we love. And the guy that had been doing the work had done other work for us, just kind of a handyman, a a backyard contractor kind of a guy. So he's not a big business. And so he was really affordable. And that's the reason that we were able to add on this project. And so he asks, he gives us the quote for the bathroom reno and it's a big, it's like gutting your bathroom. So it's a lot of money. I mean, a lot of money in our world, like it's, you know, thousands of dollars. And he's like, I need, you know, 50 percent deposit to to save it or whatever to to put you on the calendar. So that's that was normal. We give him 50% yeah. deposit, get on the calendar that we're going to start that project after the main hardwood floors are done. Well, he has trouble ever finishing up the hardwood floors project and it was like one thing after another, we couldn't get him out to the house. He did the main stuff but just didn't finish it up. And he had some major stuff going on in his life. Like his brother was had cancer and there was there was some real stuff he was going on. Mm-hmm. But at the same time I'm like I mean, when months and months went by, I was like, I need you to finish this. Well, then we're starting to creep into the later parts of my pregnancy where I didn't know how this bathroom project was going to get done. Yeah. Okay. Like based on the time frame he had given us, we're starting to get into where like Mary Grace would be born and we don't want to have a a baby in a house project. Yeah. He's got stuff going on with his family. And so I, on the phone with him one day in the summer, and I'm starting to get really anxious about this. We've given him this deposit and it doesn't seem like he's going to be able to do it. And I get on the phone with him multiple times. He's like, no, 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 I can do it. So one day we talk and I said, you know, I, I really just don't think you're going to be able to finish in the time frame before I have my daughter. I said, I, I think that we ought to postpone this. Mm-hmm. And he, I knew that he kept wanting to push forward to do it because he didn't want to get the money back. He'd already spent it. Like I, sure. that was a given. Sure. Like I just knew that. <laughs> yeah. And so he said, um, he said, okay, you know, I'll, I'll get the money to you. I'll get you the refund. I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'm, I'm going to get back to you or whatever. You're right. I can't do it. Like he basically acknowledged he could not complete the project. So yeah. it was a mutual agreement. Well, from then on, I would text him to follow up or call him and he would avoid my calls. And sometime in the weeks following that, I felt the Lord lead me to stop, stop following up, stop asking for the money back. And Hannah, this didn't make sense yeah, because it was a lot of money and I wasn't, I didn't give it as a gift. It wasn't a tithe and offering. It was like this guy, I paid him for a project he wasn't going to do. And he acknowledged he wasn't going to do. And so everything about the facts of this situation were I, I was owed that money. That was a work he wasn't going to do. Yeah. And God just kept a little bit here, a little bit there, nudging me to let that money be a gift to him and not follow up. And and this is like a lot of, this is a big gift. I'm like, and so there was one day and I'm, I'm arguing. Okay. I do what yeah. I do well, best, which is ask, argue. Like, what was your so conversation in my, in my mind? I'm like, no, you yeah. can't be saying that yeah. because this man isn't doing the job. Like we had right. an agreement. Yeah. He agreed he was going to give it back. Yeah. None of this makes any sense. I'm going back and forth with God. Like, surely I heard you wrong. Right. Okay. I literally think I prayed that. Surely I heard you uh, wrong I, because this is, of there's that. no way, there's no way that this is what you're asking me to do. This doesn't make any kind of sense. Yeah. We don't even have, like, we need that money. We're about to have a baby. Yeah. This is part of our savings. Right. Like, you know what I mean? So one night I'm putting Carter to bed. Okay. And this is, I've had this back and forth in my head the last 24 hours. 
and I'm putting Carter to bed and we've got his little books. We're laying in my bed on, in my bedroom and he goes, I want to read that book. And he points to one of my books, Oswald Chambers, my utmost for his highest. And I go, uh, no, how about we read this dump truck book? Yeah. Because. Good night, good night. Construction. Sucks. Right. This, this is not the book you read. He goes, no, yeah. I want to read that one. I go, no, Carter, these are your books. I'm again arguing with Carter. I'm like, this child, what is he lost his mind? Yeah. I'm like, he didn't want to listen to Oswald yeah. Chambers. I can barely understand it. But you yeah. know what I mean? And so he goes, no. And he re- leans over me, Hannah, grabs Oswald Chambers, opens it up. I uh-uh. think it was like June 22nd. This is in uh, like August. He doesn't open it to the day. He sure. opens it to a day sure. and points to the page and goes, I want you to read this page right here. Uh-uh. And I go, okay, right. okay. <laughs> I read it. And I don't have it in front of me today, but it's something along the lines of, why do you keep asking what I want you to do? I have told you what I want you to do. Now you're just being defiant. I need you to listen and do what I'm asking you to do. You know what I'm asking. Like it goes on and on. You know what I'm asking you to do. Why do you keep asking? It literally yeah. says, why do you keep asking what you yeah. want me to do? I've told you what I want you to do. Like from the mouth of babes. And, <laughs> and in that moment, I'm, and I'm like, all right, we're going to let that go. And I never contacted him since. And, and I think what's so wow. imp- important about this story, Hannah, is I didn't feel like obeying. Yeah. I didn't get any applause afterwards. Yeah. I didn't get this like, oh, it was because his brother needed it and yeah. here's how God used it. And you see, because yeah. sometimes we get those in the, in the, in this, in the walk of faith. Sometimes we get that awesome, here's why God did that yeah. moment yeah. afterwards. And it's this totally. reward and we get it and it yeah. builds our faith. Sometimes we don't. Mm. And, and sometimes, and I think that that just taught me a lot about obeying when it doesn't feel like it, obeying when it doesn't make any practical sense, obeying when you feel wronged and obeying when you don't get the reward afterward, you just feel like you lost. Um, I think that that is, that's sometimes what it looks like, but it doesn't matter because God asked me to obey. And my job, my only job Mm -hmm. is to do what he's asking me to do Mm -hmm. is to obey. Okay, I want to go down that a little further, yeah. but first I want to backtrack a little bit. What was that like in your marriage? Because it's obviously not just your money, <laughs> but God has told you, and and what what did that look like? Okay, can we just be like unfiltered, vulnerable here? Yes. Because um, I was very nervous mm-hmm. to tell him mm-hmm. that God told me this mm-hmm. because I was like, in case God didn't notify him, right? This might be, I'm gonna get in trouble here. Yeah, issue. so I stopped following up with James. And then when Matt asked me, hey, have you heard from James lately? Because we both were depending, you know, waiting on this money. I just said to him, I said, yeah, I haven't followed up. I just kind of stopped. So that was the first conversation. I didn't say why. I just said, I've stopped following up. And he was like, okay. Okay. And then he asks again later, like, I really think we need to follow up with James. I was like, yeah, about that. Um, I was (laughs) like, so... I'm going to tell you something and it's going to sound weird and crazy. And to be honest, I'm nervous to tell you, but I feel like God told me not to follow up just to give it to him. So, so if you don't like it, just take it up with God. Get back to me. (laughs) I mean, I I was nervous because I think it's hard in marriage where we experience our faith differently. We were raised very differently. We, Matt would never say God spoke to me, never. And so that's very difficult when I feel God literally speaks to me or guides me in some way. And so it just began a discussion of talking through what that looks like. And, and what's interesting, I don't know the why, and and I don't, I want to be careful not to like draw some conclusions here of we obey because God's going to, you know, uh, repay us tenfold. You know I mean? There's, there's some danger in some of those, um, things we pull out, but I will say 
part of Matt's compensation at that job was ownership in buildings. Mm -hmm. And so he would have like, you know, monthly cash flow checks, that type of thing. And if a building sold, then he would get a big check. Well, there was a building that was supposed to be going for sale or whatever. And around this time and going into Mary Grace coming and all that kind of stuff. And so we had, we had run the numbers of what we thought that building was going to bring in for our family in income at the sale of that. Yeah. And we got the check a couple weeks after all this stuff with the, with the bathroom and the amount over what we estimated, what it was going to be was exactly double what we had given to that man. So we got the amount we expected plus two times that amount. So, and you're just going like, we don't do it for that though. No, You know, you don't do it for that, but God, there is a very direct connection point between God blessing your obedience. Yes. Sometimes it might be financially. Sometimes it might be otherwise. Yeah. Sometimes you may, I, I still don't know the why. Of yeah. why that, and I haven't kept, I haven't talked to that yeah. man since. And you, I bet you'll never find never. out on the side of heaven. Never, and never. that's my theory is like part of heaven and eternity is us just learning all the stories and mm-hmm. all the things and seeing how God worked out all this crazy stuff yeah. that we never were able to be witnesses totally. of on, in this life. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it was hard. Back to your question about Matt, it was it was difficult because we experienced God differently. But it's one of the things that Matt and I are committed to is wrestling through things, working through things, talking about it until we're on the same page. We, as a marital rule, we do not move forward in any decision until we're on the same page. Yeah. And so we'll just we'll just hold in yeah. anything with an expense yeah. or a you know anything. So yeah. that was one of those things where I told him I said I'm open to going back to James as we work through this, but this is what I feel like God has put on my heart at this point. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to the cause and effect, if you will, if we do X, then God, you know, doubles it or whatever. I think, I think the problem is when we do look at it as cause and effect, instead of, I think it's really the Lord just kindly swooping in and always showing us like, I've got you Mm -hmm. like, right. Like, and whether you obey me or not, I've got you like, because we don't obey always. Right. We screw up and we make mistakes. And yet he's always ready to swoop in and show us, I right. provide for you. Right. I'm in charge if you will fall, you know. Right. Anyway. Right. Um, okay. So talk to someone who is in a situation right now where they know, they know what God is asking them to do and they're fighting him on it or they're doubting mm-hmm. or they're just so darn scared. Yeah. Uh, what would you tell them to motivate them Obey now. <laughs> I think what's so cool about God is he doesn't make us do anything. Yeah. It's an invitation. I think Annie talked about this. Annie F. Downs talked about this whenever she was on, on my show. She she said, it's an invitation. You don't have to take the invitation. You can say no. You don't have to walk through the door that God opens. But here's what's awesome. God knows what he's doing. He knows everything. He can do anything. He is for our good. And so if you remember the truth of those things, then when God gives you an invitation, you can guarantee it is for your good in yeah. some capacity, even if you yeah. can't see why, even if it doesn't make sense, even yeah. if it doesn't feel like it. I think what's so interesting is I look back on my life and there have been other seasons of God inviting me to obey and I will kick and scream and fight and wrestle. But it was so much more about who I was becoming yeah, and layers of my pride he was stripping and things he was asking of me for my growth mm-hmm. in becoming more Christ-like, mm-hmm. not about the actual outcome. And gosh, it's so hard, Hannah, in this world to not focus on the tangible thing in front of you, the money, the opportunity, the job, but God, I wanted this job. It's yeah. like, I've heard someone say before, God cares more about who you're becoming than where you're going. Yeah, And it's what he's doing in you. There was another example. Um, 
when I was on a tour, a Christian women's conference in fall of 2017, it was a really hard fall. It'd been a really hard year. Mm -hmm. And I would say this was a wilderness. Like it was a season of wilderness. Oswald Chambers calls it the Valley of Humiliation, where it's like the hits just keep on coming. They keep on coming. And I fought it and I was mad and I felt wronged and I was wronged and I felt so right. And I felt God, there was one specific uh, moment I was standing in worship at one of these events and I just felt this conviction come over me and I just confessed. I said, Lord, I have had a bad attitude. Lord, I'm so sorry that I have not been grateful for what you've put in front of me. And I just had this like confession moment while I went back to the green room. And this man that I don't know, that was just uh, tons of people backstage comes up to me. He goes, Hey, he goes, I just feel like God is telling me to tell you that you're doing a good job. Mm. I was like, Oh, thanks. Okay. <laughs> and he goes, you're, you're doing a good job. I was like, all right. Oh, cool. cool okay. Yeah. Got it. He goes, he just wants me to say you're doing a good job. I was like, <laughs> I got it. <laughs> I kind of look around like, is this guy, are, are we okay? Uh-huh. Like what, what's happening right now? Uh-huh. And he walks away and the Lord says, did you hear what he said? He said, you're doing a good job. Now, anyone listening right now wouldn't know this, but those words, those specific words phrased in that exact way are very significant to me of when God spoke to me about five years earlier Mm -hmm. in a season with Matt and with my kids where God came in and said, you're doing a good job when I felt like I was failing with Carter. And it was this truth that cut to the lie. I kept believing in my head that I wasn't doing a good job. So it's like, I've had this entire like uh, season of my life where those words carried me through from the Lord. Yeah. And then this guy comes backstage and I didn't get it at first. And it was like, God was, God was saying, just like you said, he's got you, but it was not because I did something so impressive on stage at the conference. It was my moment of confession Uh in the, in the moment when no one saw what I was doing in my heart. Yeah. That was when God praised me. Yeah. Not when I did, got an applause, not when I got a standing ovation, not when I signed books. God's like, Oh, I saw your heart change in that moment. And that, I just want you to know, child, you're doing a good job. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that. It's he cares about who we're coming. He mm-hmm. he cares about what's happening in us, in the obedience, in the discipline, mm-hmm. in the willingness to follow him when it doesn't make sense and it's hard and it hurts. He's so pleased mm-hmm. when we obey mm-hmm. and we get the fruit of what he's doing in mm-hmm. us. You help, I mean, thousands upon thousands of women and they're coming from all walks of life, all different family situations, uh, financial statuses, seasons of life. I mean, they're coming from everywhere. But my bet is a lot of them, at least in the beginning, are floundering because they really don't know who God created them to be. They mm-hmm. they want to. And that's always my theory. I think I think most believers want to please the Lord and they mm-hmm. want to live a life that matters. They just don't know what that is. Right. And if God has uniquely wired and designed me, I mean, we have we each have unique thumbprints. Mm-hmm. No one in the world has ever had my fingerprint. No one ever will. If God put that kind of unique intentionality just in my physical design don't you think he, he did that in my yeah. actual, in my soul, yeah. who I am? What are some practical steps that you give women? Cause it can seem really daunting and overwhelming yes. to like fi- go figure out yes. who God made you to be and then do it. Yeah. Um, let's get super practical. Wh- yeah. wh- what do you, what do you say? Well, I, I've talked to Tyler about this actually, because I think that I get really overwhelmed by the idea of calling. Like yep. we have one calling as terms of a career yep. on this earth. And what if we miss it? And what if we don't know what it is? Whatever, all the things I, I don't, I don't love that idea. A lot of people teach on it. And I know that it's a concept that is, is good and important. I don't, I just don't feel qualified to me. I feel like that the only thing that God says in scripture that I'm supposed to do is love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbors as yourself to become like Jesus. That's what I'm supposed to do. Now, how do I do that? There's a million different ways I could do that. So I'm having a lot of fun with business boutique. I'm having a lot of fun with the Christy Wright show. If that doesn't work out, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna do something else. Yep. 
And, and so I think we just get so fixated on the how, how do I use my gifts? How do I work? How do I, and it's like, God's like, I'm really not interested. You can do that a million different ways. I just want to be a light. So if I am a light on a stage or I'm a light one-to-one over coffee, if I just want to be a light that points people to Jesus. And so when you think of it that way, yeah. I think it takes the pressure off and it gives you permission to do something. And I will say that I, I've seen one of two extremes, Hannah, in, in teaching. I've seen the women that are like me and probably like you, where we have a, a temp- temptation to run ahead. Oh, yeah. Run ahead. I got this. Thanks, God. Are you keeping up? Because I'm going places. Yep. Like we, yep. we are doers. Yep. And we might miss the pause, the plan, the, the provision mm-hmm. because we're just so busy doing. We don't slow down. Mm-hmm. The other end of the extreme are the women that are stuck and they sit on their couch and they don't do anything because they're waiting for God to show them. And I I remember talking to a woman at, after one of these Christian conferences and she said, I'm just praying for God to show me what to do. I've been praying for seven years and I'm just hoping I'm like, sister, you got to get moving. So it's, it's neither. We're not going to run ahead. We're also not going to sit around and wait. And, And I tell people all the time, I think God is attracted to activity. He can steer a moving car, but he can't steer a stalled vehicle. Mm-hmm. So like, get your car moving. Mm-hmm. If you're not sure what you're going to do, just do something. Because mm-hmm. here's the other thing. I think that we have this idea that God is hiding and playing hard to get. Yep. And what if I miss him? And yep. what if I miss his plans? And what? It's like, here's the deal. What if I'm making the wrong decision? If you are seeking him, right. he will not let you go wrong. Yep. I honestly believe that, Hannah. Yep. Now, if you're not seeking him, he'll let you run off a cliff. Oh, yeah. He'll let you experience the yep. consequences of your bad decisions. But if you're seeking him, he will nudge you and guide you and direct you. He's going to be, he's not, he's going to repeat himself again and again, even when you try to say, maybe I heard you wrong. He, he wants to be found by you and he wants to guide you into his plans for you. He wants you there. So if we know that, then all we have to do is seek him for what the next step is or, you know, what we're doing for his will and be like Jesus. And that's so simple. We overcomplicate it. I think. I know. Totally. I will never forget. I was probably a junior in high school, maybe a senior, and we lived in the metro DC area. And there was a producer, um, an uh, artist, music song producer that was out there. And I don't even know how he learned about me and two of my friends. And we all sang. And that was really our main goal in life. Like we were all going to go to college and, and do music for a living. And this guy wanted to take us on and develop us as artists, as a trio and produce an album for us and all these things. And of course we were minors. So our parents were involved and lots of conversations. And I don't, I, it was, it's so funny looking back because I don't know why I was so torn. I think I knew that the sacrifices I was going to have to be making at school and other activities to be in the studio, to be doing all these things. And I remember just having a lot of tension about the decision. Do we go ahead and work with this guy or do we not? And my dad, I will never forget as I'm I'm sure talking a thousand miles an hour, like weighing all the pros and cons, finally stopped and said, Hannah, a lot of times in life, we have a good decision and a good decision. Mm -hmm. And this is not door number one is the right one. And door number two is the wrong one. This is door number one and door number two are both good doors. Mm -hmm. And you can walk down both of those paths and God is going to do something with it. And God is going to use you with it. And it's so funny because obviously I am not a famous pop star today. I don't, I don't know if, uh, what? if anyone uh, didn't get that memo. We chose to work with that producer. We chose to walk down that path. Things fizzled out. And what's so hilarious to me is that I barely even remember that story most of the time in my life. But what I 
always think about is my dad saying. That's right. Door number one is good mm-hmm. and door number two is good. And just to your point, I think a lot of times we overcomplicate when we're making a decision because if we're running after the Lord, door number one and door number two are good. Yeah. Both can be in his will. Yes. And he will use them. Yeah. And if you and if you start to go down a door that is bad, let's say there's door number three and it is bad, and you start to go through that door, but you're seeking him. Yep. He will close the door, he'll yep. put up barricades, he'll yep. put up he'll have your child grab your Oswald Chambers book and be like, <laughs> read through this page. He will he will direct you and guide you yep. and caution you if you're seeking him. Yep. And so I think we can just have confidence in that our loving father wants us to be he wants us to be in his plans. He wants to take care of us. And we don't have to, we think we're so powerful. I love how Lisa Bevere says, she says, if you think that you have screwed up your God's plan mm. for life, you, my friend are not that powerful. Yeah, It's like, yeah. we, we do. We, we think too highly of ourselves and our ability to just, you know, control the universe. It's like, yes. if you're seeking God, he's going to lead you where you need to go. Yes, absolutely. Talk to the woman who runs ahead of God. <laughs> With you, sister. With you. It's hard. We need to take a water break. So let me share another story. I love sharing stories of where God puts me in my place just to like let people know that it's okay if he puts you in your place. And he does that to me often. So I think that for me, I am such a doer. And when you are a doer, you check your boxes, you get things done. Number one, the world rewards that. Yeah. And it's very difficult to not do something that is rewarded, applauded, celebrated by the world. Mm-hmm. Even if your heart is good, I love Jesus. Yeah. But if if my work rewards me working harder, working eighty hours a week, yeah, and gaining followers and fans, it's very difficult to go against that when it seems right and the work we're doing is good and yeah. the need is unending yeah. and all that. So the I would say the world rewards people like us. Yeah. That can be very intoxicating. It can be, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. The other thing is I think that I use it. I use the busyness, productivity, control, all that things. That is as an Enneagram aid or whatever you want to say about it. That is how I control my environment. Mm-hmm. And that is how I insulate myself from hurt, heartbreak, disappointment. Mm-hmm. I just do it myself. And that was learned very early in my childhood to do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that what that does is it prohibits me from allowing God to provide for me. It robs me of the opportunity for God moments, for him to show up, for him to control it, for him to come through. I'll give you an example. And I've shared this story many times. You've heard me talk about this at Business Boutique. But I felt very strongly I wanted a daughter when I was pregnant with my third baby. And I didn't know if it was a girl, but I felt this desire creeping up all the time. And I just kept pushing it down, pushing it down. I felt like I've just got to guard my heart. I've got to guard my heart. And one day in church, God said, you don't have to guard your heart with me. I know what to do with every desire I've given you. And I know what to do with every broken piece when you're disappointed. You don't have to guard your heart with me. I'm the God of hope. Get your hopes up. Well, that was transformative for me because it allowed me to get my hopes up and pray for a girl more openly and be more bold when people, when you're pregnant with a third, everyone's like, Oh, do you want a girl? And so I started being honest and saying, yes. Well, after that, after I found out I was having a daughter and I'm hysterical, like ugly crying, like a a meltdown. I felt God say to me this, and this is what I would say about this. I felt God say, Chris, Christy, you are amazed right now, not because you have a daughter, but because you didn't think I could do that. Mm. I could perform miracles like that in your life a lot more if Mm. you would let me. And I just control everything. That was one thing I couldn't control. Yeah. I just control everything and I'm good at it and the world rewards it. And I'm, yeah. a, you know, and I think that if, if we can choose women like us that are doers and go-getters, if we can choose to, instead of holding our world and everything in it with these closed tight fist of, I got this, yeah. 
because we're fighters and we're, we're learn how to do that. If we could peel our fingernails open and hold our world and everything in it with open hands, there will be scary, vulnerable moments where God takes things out, but there will be moments when he puts things in Mm -hmm. and then all you can do is go, Oh God, you did that. Not I did that. You did that. And, and so I, I would say my, my encouragement for women like myself is to will yourself to slow down, pause, pray, listen, be silent, and let God provide for you because he's a lot better than we are, believe it or not. <laughs> Amen to that. I'm in a Nancy Guthrie study right now called God Does His Best With Empty. Mm. And we're only, I think, three weeks in. And it's like eight weeks. And each week is a different kind of emptiness. Mm. And I mean, truly over and over, the lesson is emptiness is an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We, I see emptiness as a problem to be solved. For sure. And I might even look to God to fill and to fix that problem. I don't want this space. I don't want this yeah. silence. And over and over, Nancy has very gently shown us that emptiness is an opportunity. God will use emptiness to grow your hunger for him, mm. to deepen your dependence on him. Mm. And then when he does fill the emptiness, because we know he's not a God of scarcity, mm-hmm. he's a God of abundance. He's always overflowing. When he fills those spaces of emptiness, we get to enjoy and truly have that uh, quote unquote abundant life that we could not have had yeah. we not first experienced the emptiness. Well, I think that's so interesting how you say that too, because it helps us reframe when we go through seasons of emptiness, yes. when you go through, I didn't get the job or I didn't, you know, this rug felt like it was pulled out from under me. It's like, and it, it's the scripture we've heard a million times. My power is made perfect in weakness. Yeah. That sounds so nice, right. but we don't want to be weak. No. It feels vulnerable, no. but it's such a position of power. You know, this past January, we go to the same church. And so they, they start January with 21 days of fasting. Yep. I didn't do it last year because I was pregnant. And this year I'd missed when they talked about it. Mm-hmm. So I came to Sunday on like, the fourth or fifth day or something, the Sunday when they were talking about, Hey, we're all doing this. It's not too late to join us. And the idea of a 21 day fast seemed really overwhelming. And it wasn't just me arguing with God. I was like, Oh, I don't know about this, but I felt God give me the number five. And so this was a Sunday I was going to do Devo at our company on Wednesday. And I felt God call me to fast from Sunday. I hadn't eaten that morning anyway, from Sunday to Thursday through 24 hours after I did my Devo at work. And I had been praying. I know this sounds crazy to say, but I'd been praying for, this talk to be powerful mm-hmm. for this Devo to be powerful. And the, uh, the past two years when I had done it, it felt so powerful. It felt like, God, you're in this. I feel your spirit. It, it felt really powerful. And this didn't feel powerful. Mm-hmm. And I've just been praying for God's power. God, I need you, you to do what only you can do. I need you to transform lives, you know, through this talk. And so by about day three of the fast, I'd never fasted in my life. And it is the hardest thing mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. I, I said to God, I was like, uh, are you sure about five days? Like in three good, like, could I just eat tomorrow? Like, can we just get through this Devo and then I eat? Like, why do I have to do five? Why five? I'm just an arguing child. I'm sure he gets very tired of it. And I felt God say, Christy, you're really strong. I need to get you weak. Mm. If you want to be, if you want my power, my power is literally made Made perfect perfect in weakness. So we're going to get you weak where you got nothing but depending on me. So if you want there to be power in that room, it's going to happen because I do it. Mm. And the, I mean, talk about like just the, the real tangible experience of him physically wanting me to be weak yeah. in order to give me his power. Like that you yeah. can reframe weakness, like you said, as an opportunity, yeah. because I love how Christine Kane says impossible is where God begins. Yeah. If we can do it ourselves, we don't even need him. Right. It's like, there's such a position of power and weakness, right. but it doesn't make sense to yeah. us in the tangible world. Yeah. 
I had a small group leader in college, Sonia Lavelle, for those of you who know her. And Sonia was amazing on all levels. Um, older adult children by the time that she was shepherding us crazy 20 something year olds. Mm -hmm. And I will never forget one night. I don't even know what we were going off about. And she had a way we would, I mean, you imagine like 20 girls in my living room, all kinds of personality and loudness. And she was a very quiet, very thick Southern accent kind of woman. And she would somehow still a room. And so we were going on and on about who knows what. And she said, y'all, you need to listen to me. The mark of spiritual maturity is not that you have it all together. It's not all this fruit coming out of your life. The mark of spiritual maturity is greater dependence on Jesus. Mm. The weaker you are, the more flat on your face, on the ground that you are. That to us Mm. looks like that's not maturity. You're so weak. You're barely, you're crawling. That if you are dependent on Jesus more and more, that is spiritual maturity. And I come back to that, I mean, every time, every time I feel like I fall on my face and I'm struggling and I'm not doing well and I'm weak and I'm tired, it's like I hear Sonia, this, again, going back to the emptiness is an opportunity. This is your opportunity. Yeah. Your opportunity to depend on Jesus and not on yourself. Because yeah. that's my MO. I can, mm-hmm. I mean, I know you're the same. I can do this. I got it. I've got this. Yeah. <laughs> I can work hard enough, run fast enough yeah. to, you know set up enough boundaries, set like I can do it and manage my life. But the truth is I can't. Mm -hmm. And it's often God's kindness to bring me to the end of myself to make me realize I cannot do this. Yeah. I I am lying to myself to believe that I can. Yeah. And true living is allowing God's spirit in me to do the work. Yeah. And to move forward. And what would you say, is there a part of scripture, whether it's a story or a verse that you really come back to, that's kind of like a central passage for you? Yeah. I would say the two that I probably cite the most often and I I use them the most through business boutique, but it really applies to life. First Thessalonians 524. I have this at the front of my book. Um, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. And the key word there is he will do it. Mm -hmm. So it goes back to like, if someone feels unqualified or feels like I'm out of my league or I can't do this, it's like, well, you're not going to be the one to pull it off anyway. He's going to be the one to do it. He's the one that's going to provide. He's the one that's going to make a way. He's going to one that's transforms life. And I think what's so cool is when you remember that, and that is your anchor, then you don't have to intentionally be humble because your whole posture is anchored on a verse that reminds you that it's all his, Mm -hmm. the one who calls you is faithful. He's the one that's faithful. He's going to be the one to do it. You're just a a participant in this. And so it, it allows you to have this posture of humility of God. Everything I have is yours. Everything, you know, I do is yours. Um, that's one. And then the other one, which I think is, is a big, important verse for me, especially when it comes to confidence, using your gifts, putting yourself out there, which I love helping women do in any capacity, um, is Matthew five sixteen? let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And again, that your light is not shining for you. Your light is not shining for your platform, for your selfie, for your followers, that people will see the light in you and praise God mm-hmm. that when you shine in your gifts, people see God. Yeah. And, and what's, it's just beautiful when that happens because it gives us permission to be who he created us to be mm-hmm. unapologetically yep. with confidence yep. in who we are in yep. him. Because when we do that, we're pointing people to Jesus. We're, yeah. we're letting him shine through us in a way that only we, people are going to get to see a side of God through us that only we can do. 
And it, I think it helps us shake the guilt or fear around like, oh, people are going to think I'm arrogant or, oh, people are going to think yeah. I'm self-absorbed. It's not, yeah. that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about yeah. shining in your gifts so that people see God and, yeah. and that compels you to want to actually do that more. Yeah. Just want to interrupt this conversation for a second to tell you about a couple things. One, each month in 2020, I'm choosing a book of the Bible to study, and I would love for you to join me. You can learn all about it on my Instagram, and you can even download a reading guide to help you. The guide is to give you a super simple, flexible, and really a practical guide in helping you get in a rhythm of reading your Bible and seeing how it can impact your life. Second, I'm running a major sale on my book, The College Girl Survival Guide. It is the perfect high school graduation gift or just a sweet way to encourage a current college student you know and love. You can even ship the book directly to her with a note from you. Go to hannahseymour.com for more info and use the discount code no matter what, all one word, all lowercase, no matter what at checkout. Let's talk about confidence some more because I know that's like one of your big platforms is convincing women, A, confidence is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. It's not a self-seeking, self-serving thing. And that B, I don't know if you say it this way, but like God does his best work with (laughs) confident people in a sense. Yeah. So I'm reading through Philippians right now and it talks, I mean, it's just interesting how the word confident and confidence Mm -hmm. is in the Bible often. A lot. And it's always, if you think about, think about the synonyms of confidence, strong, it's not even necessarily certain. It's like a courage to try Mm -hmm. things, a person of boldness. Mm -hmm. Like we're called to be bold. We're called Mm -hmm. to be confident in Christ. It's not a self-confidence. Like I'm so awesome. I can totally nail this, but I'm really okay with me because I know who I am in God. And so if you or you or you or you don't like me, I'm okay with that because I know who I am in God. That's it's this confidence in the fact that God is in control. He is on his throne. He is not surprised. He's not wringing his hands, worried about what's going on. And so that gives you a confidence and a foundation. I wrote something down the other day, like trying to process how to articulate this. And I wrote something like confidence looks like courage. Mm -hmm. It sounds like leadership. Mm. And it feels like peace. Mm. Like that's good. I remember walking out of my doctor's office um, when it was my thyroid doctor and we were trying to get pregnant with our third baby and we were struggling and we'd never really struggled with that before. So it felt new. It felt like was something different about my body now after my thyroid. And I brought that up that we were trying and, and she said, well, that's why I tell women not to wait. Like, I mean, you you just don't have any eggs left. So that's why I tell women not to wait so late in life. I I mean, that would crush a lot of women, most people. And I walked out, I was like, well, she's not God. Thank God. She's not God. So I'm, that's confidence. It's it's mm. a confident in my God. Yeah. And then as an overflow of that, mm. confident in who I am in him. It's not that I don't have flaws. It's not that I have things to work on. It's not that I don't get scared. I do get scared. Yeah. It's just there's an inner peace mm. that I'm okay and he's got me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, if we can help women have that, it would combat guilt, shame, insecurity, anxiety, playing the, Oh, we're just worms. We're just worms. I'm just a doormat. I'm so pitiful. I'm not good at anything. It's like, that is not what God asked to be. You don't have to have my personality style, but in the way that you're wired and your unique gifts, God calls us to be confident in him Mm -hmm. and who we are in him. And it gives us a boldness and a peace and a assertiveness that um, I think is really important. Yeah. I I think a lot of us know the C.S. Lewis quote about humility is not Mm -hmm. thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And I love that quote, but I also love the concept of thinking of yourself, thinking less of yourself. It's not, not just humility. It's really prideful Mm -hmm. because you're consumed with yourself. Mm -hmm. You're, you're thinking all the time about how 
I'm just not good enough. Right. I could never do that. Right. I could, you're, you're me centric again, right. instead of being, God can definitely do that. Right. God can do anything he wants. Right. And when we turn the focus on ourselves and are downplaying our gifts and abilities, it's prideful. It and is. It's, it's, it's a the false, wrong perspective. It's a false humility. It's not, yeah. it's not real humility. If I say, Oh, I'm just not a good public speaker. Yeah. That's not humility. That's just a lie. <laughs> I am a good public speaker. You know what I mean? Like you're a if, great public if, speaker. If Keith Urban says, I'm just not good at the yeah, guitar. I'm not very good. No, that's yeah. not humility. That's a right. lie. No, to brag about it is a different story. Right. But I think when we when we are so worried about being perceived as self-centered or egotistical or whatever, that we diminish our gifts, our talents, the things God gave us. I don't think that's honoring to God at all. If I gave my son a gift and then he was embarrassed about it and said, well, I don't want to talk about this. Well, just let me hide this away. I would be so sad that I gave him this gift to bless others and him and him by enjoying it. And I think that God, it's the same way with us. It's like when we shine in our, again, when we shine in our gifts, we are pointing people to Jesus, not for our own sake. But I think Mm -hmm. it goes back to this idea of humility to me is holding your hands open and saying, everything I have is yours. You know what I used to think, Hannah? I used to think everything I had was God's, like everything I can do, public speaking, whatever. It's all a gift from God, except my work ethic. I would think, well, that's mine. Yeah. Like, I, like, like I, I work I really hard to do that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I am a really hard worker. Yeah. God. So th- you've got this list of like 5 million, but like, I do have this one thing. You're welcome. Fine. I bring this. To and the one table. day, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do bring something. And one day God was like, that's a gift. That's, that's a gift. gift. The fact that you work really hard mm-hmm. is a gift from me. Yeah. And I think when you remember that every single thing you have, every yeah. single thing you know, every single thing you can do or ever will do is a gift from God. You have no option but to be humble yeah. because it is never from you or about you or for you. It is from him and about him and for him. Yeah. And that to me is like, that's all you need to be humble. Yeah. That's that's really yeah. all you need. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think it makes living out those gifts an act of obedience. Mm, mm-hmm. And then I'm not, you know, we talk about like shining in your gifts, which I think is a, a great analogy and picture. But at the end of the day, I'm just responsible. I, it is my choice whether or not I obey and whether or not I use the things God has given me. But how successful, quote unquote, successful those things are is completely up to the Lord. That's right. And that took so much of the, uh, I don't know, out of it for me really early on, like when I decided to write my first book, I remember in the middle of writing, it just was kind of, you know, I don't know when you start writing, I feel like at least I get mentally bombarded with all these things. And one of the battles I fight is like, well, if you write that, that's not going to sell well. Mm -hmm. And if you, if you don't, you know what the people want to hear. That's right. Or do you want to write truth? Right. And I just, one time in the middle of writing felt the Lord say, I'm just asking you to show up and put words on paper that I've told you to, to put on paper. Yeah. I'm in charge of the rest. Yeah. And ever since that point, I think that's given me so much freedom in, okay, do I feel like God has called me to do this? Again, not in a, a mystical calling like a right. he's given me a gift or an experience or knowledge. Can I use it? I need to obey. And then it's up to him yeah. what it does. Yeah. And I think it's a it's a heart check moment when you do have ideas or plans or dreams of what that will look like. And it doesn't. Oh yeah. And, and I think that that's one of the things that keeps you grounded, not you, me, all of us keeps us grounded 
in no in trusting him with the outcome. We're going to be faithful stewards of our gifts and and what we're supposed to do, the work that we're supposed to do in front of us, and then we're going to trust him with the outcome. Yeah. And you know, t- Tyler and I have funny conversations when it comes to projects at work. Sure. And so I had this I had this idea for a tagline for my devotional that's coming out this fall, and the tagline is 40 days to get back to you. And so I don't even know if I'm allowed to share this. So anyway, there's this email chain going around with the leaders, and we send that in. I, I send an email to the leaders. And I was like, here's kind of the outline. Here's what I'm thinking. This is before I'd written it. Here's the tagline I feel like works because that's what women say. They say, I just want to get back to myself Mm. 40 days. Here's why 40 days is Mm -hmm. significant. All the things, all my explanation. I get an email back from Dave. And he's like, well, we can't use 40 days and here's why. And so Tyler comes to me later that day and he goes, Hey, you know, like that, like gentle, he's coming in like to console you. He's like, Hey, how you feel? I was like, I feel great. Why? (laughs) He's like, well, I mean, you know, Dave's email and like yeah. the 40 days. I go, oh, it's fine. I go, because that Devo is going to have exactly the title it's supposed to. <laughs> and if it's 40 days, great. And if it's not, great. Yeah. But God has got this. Like yeah. it's God's project. Yeah. Like I I can trust God with the outcome. Yeah. The title of the Devo I thought was going to be Breakthrough and it's going to be Living True. Yeah. When the survey comes back and Breakthrough didn't win, even though I thought that was the title God yeah. gave me, I can submit with humility and go, maybe I was wrong. Yeah. Maybe I didn't hear you right. Maybe God, you changed your mind. I don't know what you're right. doing, but it's your Devo. That's it's right. not my Devo. Right. It's your Devo. It's your words. It's your yeah. transformation that's going to happen through it. So I think it's funny because it, it can be those moments where you think like, I totally thought this was how it's going to turn out and it doesn't yeah. or other times you thought that's how it's going to turn out and it does and you had peace through that because you yeah. knew that God had had it in control yeah totally okay final thoughts for the woman sitting here listening and thinking yeah I don't have confidence I don't have confidence in who God's created me to be I don't I don't even know if I have confidence in God mm-hmm. where does she start yeah I think that wherever you get it whether it's through a bible app or through a friend that you know, speak scripture to you or you Google it. Mm -hmm. I don't care. But I would just ask God to show you what he says about you. Mm -hmm. I would seek scripture, seek out to find what God says about you, because what you'll be amazed by is the, what God says about you in his word, the truth in his word that we can depend on is very different than the voices you have in your head. Mm -hmm. And I've been talking a lot about this lately with, we have up to 60,000 thoughts. 80% of those thoughts are negative. The voice in my head that says, you're not good enough and no one likes you. And she didn't text you back because she's mad at you. And all the narratives I have in my head, if you stop those thoughts and ask yourself, is this what God says about me? Is this how God talks to me? It will cut through the truth from the lies, but you have to know what God says about you to be able to combat that. So I would just say, seek out to learn what God says about you. And I think you'll be surprised. Yeah. There's a Psalm, David wrote it. I think it's Psalm 18, 19. I should be sure because I have it engraved on a bracelet, <laughs> but it's in Hebrew. So, you know, yeah. but it simply says he rescued me because he delighted in me. And I grew up knowing God loved me. I knew that. I knew he loved me unconditionally, but I did not start grappling with the idea that maybe God might like me Mm. until I was about 17. And it's a continual conversation with me and the Lord. That's right. And I remember when I came upon that verse and thought, he doesn't just like me. He delights Mm. in me. And that was penned by a man who made a lot of mistakes. Yeah. And that's probably one of my favorite things about David. A lot of us feel that way about David. Like we know he was a man after God's own heart and he was a man who screwed up and sinned big, 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 big time. And that gives me such confidence and assurance that God delights in all of us. He delights in you. Yeah. And I think that if we all operated from that core, if we woke up in the morning and said, 
good morning, God. Wow, you delight in me. Mm-hmm. How can I serve you today? Mm-hmm. I mean, how different? How different would our lives be? How different would this world be? I remember the very first time I felt God speak to me, like actually like a thought came into my mind mm-hmm. that was not my own mm-hmm. and was not anything I would ever think on my own. I was walking out to my car in college and I had just messed up. I don't know, remember what I had done. I'd lied or done something. And I remember thinking, God, I don't know why you put up with me. And I felt the mm-hmm. words come into my mind. I don't put up with you. I adore you. Yep. And it was yep. like, oh, like yep. to, to just that concept was more than I could possibly yep. understand. And I think a lot of women, anyone, but specifically women, we tend to think of God, view God, interact with God, expect from God what we had from our earthly father. Yeah. And if that was anything other than awesome, even if it was awesome, it's going to fall short. But if it was, it was negative, which a lot of women have heartbreak and wounds, then you have a mixed up idea about God and you will relate to God like, you know. And so that was my, why do you put up with me? And God's like, oh no, 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 no. Let me tell you, I adore you. And yeah, like you said, it's a daily thing. I still don't get it. He has to remind me of that, you know? Yep. So good. Christy Wright. Y'all, if you are not already on the Christy Wright train, you got to get on it. (laughs) She has a show that is amazing. You can watch or listen literally anywhere, but you can watch on YouTube. It's super fun to watch. Or if you're a podcast listener, which you are, if you're here, you can totally listen to it as a podcast. It is amazing. Her guests are incredible. Her teaching is spot on. You will be obsessed. She also has a new planner that's coming out this August that I can't wait to get my hands on. She has had a business boutique planner for the last several years, and I have one, and it's been super helpful, but I cannot wait to see what the, well, I've seen some of the aesthetics of it. I <laughs> you will get the say inside it peak. is beautiful, but I know the content is also going to be so awesome. And then the other thing that I have to plug for Christy is Business Boutique is a conference that comes together every fall in Nashville. And I have been to Business Boutique the last two years, which is so funny. A friend drugged me two years ago. And this was like, Christy was not a friend at this time. Tyler Tyler, wasn't working there. Yeah. And I went with a friend and she really wanted me to come because she thought, Hannah, you would benefit from this. I'd never really looked at myself or like my ministry as a quote unquote business. And uh, I think this friend knew like this would kind of give me one of the several kicks I needed to kind of start getting my business life in gear. And anyway, so I attended that year. I loved it. And then when I came back the second year, I really knew what I was showing up for. Anyway, all that to say, if you are have ever even toyed with the idea of coming up with a business or doing something on the side that would make you money, you have to go to this conference. And if you're already doing it and you're a small business, you have to go to this conference. But then I also know because Chrissy is doing so much personal development now, my bet is that even if business is not anywhere on your frontier, you will still get so much out of this conference. So I just can't say enough. You, thank you, you. got to go check thank it you, out. Thank you. Tickets are for sale now, but it's in October. Chrissy, Thanks so much for being on No Matter What. Oh, my gosh. Thanks thanks for your friendship. Thank You oh and Tyler gosh. are just the best. And I'm just so grateful. I have learned so much from you already, Hannah. And, yeah, it's just uh, whenever I, whenever Tyler introduced me, he was like, oh, I love your wife. Can I hang out with her? Can we be friends? So, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for thinking of me. Of course. Well, that's a wrap for season two. I can't believe we're already here. And I really can't believe all of the kind words and feedback y'all continue to give whether it's through Apple Podcasts or on Instagram or emails that you're sending me, I can't tell you how much your feedback and your kind words fuel me to keep doing what I'm doing. It's amazing to hear how these stories and the contents of this podcast are really encouraging and challenging you guys. So thank you so much for your kind words. 
Thanks for being part of this journey. And I can't wait to come back. Season three of No Matter What will be coming back later this fall. But until then, keep on being who God created you to be no matter what.